Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our Resistance Recap episode. Oh, man. <laughs> this is the best episode we've had, and I'm just going to say that up top. This was like the most entertaining episode ever. Things are a happening. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh man. I just have to say last night it like dropped early oh on I watched it on Xfinity. <laughs> I have to tell the story. <laughs> you know what? I'm not gonna tell the no, story. No, no, no. You stupid. tell it. You tell it. Okay. So last night at like 1 a.m., I stay up late on the weekends. It's fine. And <laughs> I saw that it dropped early on Xfinity and I watch it on demand on Comcast Xfinity. But it wouldn't allow me to watch it on my – like, I, I mooch off of my parents' Disney Channel. So I, like, use their login to get in because I don't pay for Disney Channel, unfortunately. I am – I can't afford it. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and that's that. And I – it wouldn't let me watch it on my own Wi-Fi. I have to watch it mm-hmm. at my parents' house, essentially. And my parents live in Atlanta and I live in Boston. She was not on so, the home Wi-Fi. Yeah, I was not on the home Wi-Fi, and it was devastating because I got all ready. I was all ready for the emotions. I was all ready to go, and yet it didn't let me. But I, I watched it this morning. It was available this morning. <laughs> so then I woke up this morning and had like 27 texts of like <laughs> this journey. It wasn't 27. <laughs> let me read them to you. <laughs> this one is at 12.46. That's when it starts. <laughs> OMG, resistance is on Xfinity. A couple of seconds later, in all caps, but only on in-home Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm using my parents' Xfinity because I don't get Disney. Next text. Crying. Next text. Wait, OMG, I can watch it on my own. Yes. <laughs> and then I'm going to get ready for bed and watch. Shook it. And then a couple seconds later, <laughs> JK, it doesn't work. <laughs> and it was so devastating. Finally, it ends with, this is the most disappointing thing ever. <laughs> And that's what I woke up to this morning. It's just a roller coaster of emotions. But I, w- I watched it this morning and it was great. Yeah. So it's that's that. We just did – so for our Patreon, we recorded a commentary for The Force Awakens. And it was actually the first time that I've watched The Force Awakens since Resistance has started. And mm, guys, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, Resistance like completely impacts your viewing of Force Awakens and it's so fun to watch. Um, there's like just like a whole new layer added to Force Awakens now that we have Resistance and it's so fun. And once the season is over, I think that we'll look into it even more. Mm-hmm, definitely. It'll be great. Yeah, definitely. So this episode was called Descent, which is such an ominous title. Mm-hmm. And um, it aired March 3rd, 2019. It was directed by Bosco Ng and written by Paul Giacopo which is a familiar duo that we've seen throughout this entire season. Mm-hmm. And they did a darn good job. Yeah, they really did. Oh, man. I'm just really excited to dive in. So let's just go for it. Mm-hmm. So in part one, we're going to give our highs and lows. In part two, we're going to talk about the story. In part three, we talk about the characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. All right. Welcome to part one. And I think it's your turn to go first this week, Charlotte. Yeah, um, I think so. So my high was, I think the emotions of this episode really took hold of me right from the beginning. Right before they even cut to the Resistance logo, I was tearing up. I couldn't believe that what was happening, really. 
<laughs> I was yelling at my TV. It was an emotional experience. And I think I teared up in this episode three or four specific times. Like, I don't know. It, it felt like this entire season has had so much payoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really did. I thought the opening, this is the first time, right, that we've opened right where we dropped off from the last episode. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really nice to just pick up right in that moment because there was so much tension going on there. And it was great to kind of see all of it play out right there immediately in the beginning. Like the cold open basically for this episode was so well done. (laughs) Yes, the cold open. That's a good way to put it. And I think that's the way it's called, but it sounds funny. It sounds like an SNL sketch when you say it like that. (laughs) Well, that's what they call um, (laughs) like in like SUV and Law and Order and stuff, the cold open, like before the logo and all that. So I guess Mm -hmm. that's still – Still cold open. So my first time yeah. was the Jaeger and Kaz team up was off the charts in this episode. It was so good. I loved seeing them finally get together and like do something because mm-hmm. we've mentioned this the past couple episodes that like Jaeger actually hasn't been that big of a like he hasn't had that much of a job in these last few weeks of resistance that I think we anticipated him to have. So it was really nice to see him kind of take forefront again here in this episode, and it really paid off. I really felt like in this episode, Yeager is a really good example, but every character got their due. Yeah. And I mean, obviously not the aces, but I think that uh, (laughs) – I think that like our main characters – Every question that we had about their character journey and what they were doing was fulfilled in a way. Yeah, I think you know? you're right. I think that's a really good point. Like every – like n- there was no character that I thought, oh, I wish we had spent more time with them in this episode. Like the, the story was lacking because we weren't with X character for a little bit more time. I think you're right. Everyone really did feel like they had their time to shine and like all of their time on screen was necessary and useful and like functional. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So my second high was I loved witnessing Kaz's character growth. And I, I'm sure that comes to no surprise to longtime listeners of our resistance recaps, but I really felt so I don't know, so much compassion and love for Kaz in this episode. And I just felt so proud of him. And it was one of the the sources of me tearing up. And just even witnessing his I don't know, his journey to really embodying the spy. And we'll talk about this later. But I I don't know. It was the best part about this episode to me. It was so good. That was also my second high. Um, my exact notes in our show notes are, Kaz, Kaz, he's our man. If he can't sink it, no one can. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. I also feel like I need to admit that I think Caitlin and I both have a little bit of a crush on Kaz. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for this that. Is a, this is a safe space. But <laughs> I also have to say, like, Yeager with his jacket off, too. Oh my God. Kind of have a crush on that, too. You take a jacket off a guy, you put his hair in front of his eyes, and I'm sold. <laughs> I know, right? It's kind of crazy. It doesn't really take much. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, I think I texted Charlotte. I was like, so, like, Kaz doing his stuff is, like, super attractive. <laughs> like, he's just on it. <laughs> But he, like, I think that's the best way to describe it. Like, I was so proud of him throughout this episode. He just, like, he took control. He had no fear. There was no hesitation. Even, we'll talk about this in character part three. Um, but even at the end, when, like, this whole episode is about his desperation to get a message to the resistance, and he finally does, and he's met with rejection, and he 
doesn't let it throw him at all. And him talking to Niku and the kids from Tehar, I that's when I teared up. I was like, cats. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> It so was good. it was so great. He was definitely. I mean, he was definitely this the MVP of the episode, for sure. For sure, it was his episode. Mm-hmm. So we both don't have a low. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was just such a good episode, guys. Really it's good. hard for me to even pick it apart or even say. I think my low is that it was over. Yeah, and that we're getting we only have two more episodes of Resistance left, and it makes me really sad. Yeah, yeah. There was not any low like I really think all of I think the pacing of the episode was really well done I mean I guess if you could say the only character who perhaps could have had more time on screen was Tora but I think she's going to be coming up in the next episode as having a lot to do so yeah I can't be mad about that plus I thought her scenes with Doza were amazing and her like running around the hallway and like (laughs) I thought this would be so much more fun it's not actually (laughs) (laughs) well i liked how she was excited in the beginning and then was stressed she was like oof yeah i don't know but then i loved how she referred to cb23 as um, a rollie his new rollie i was like oh my god i love you tora the doza and cb23 talking was like the best it's like the buddy cop team up i never knew we needed when she like rolls up and like when cb23 has like the plates on (laughs) I know. I gasped. I was like, oh, function. It looks I didn't like, realize that. It, it was such a fun callback to like Return of the Jedi with R2 as the drink holder. Yes. And I didn't think about that. I just, I love how one, she took it from BB 90 <laughs> and it looked like a little sombrero on her head. And then Tosa's so like, no, I didn't order any food. And she just like throws the blade. <laughs> She's like, that's not why I'm here. <laughs> like, listen up, old man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I love her. Like Doza has so much going on. He's like, "Oh no, I didn't place a room service order." <laughs> <laughs> it's so, fun. so great. Okay. okay, let's move on to talking about the story. Let's. Okay, so welcome to part two, where we talk about the story. So let's open with this question that we actually have some to talk about. But what's the state of the resistance? The state of the resistance. We're getting so close to Force Awakens timeline and. I loved that we got to talk about the First Order knowing who Poe Dameron is. I thought that mm-hmm. was really well done. It was really nice to get that piece of intel um, through the First Order and how he's like taken down a couple of First Order ships, quote unquote, unprovoked. But it, it just makes me think about Poe in the last episode when he had no idea about this fleet. So again, it's like just what does the – resistance think of the first order right now clearly it's the first order is a lot bigger than they anticipated but also poe is he's engaging in in combat with the first order too there's so much that i think you can say about the resistance in this episode first that the force awakens is going on in this episode i feel like in the last one poe left to or the last time we saw poe he left to go to jakku and i think in the next episode is when we're going to see starkiller base happen Definitely in the finale, right? Because I think that's coming up. Mm -hmm. And I think that things are in motion. And it was really interesting to hear Leia say that, you know, that they were spread, they were spread out so far, and that um, they can't help this one system. Um, So clearly, they're spread so thin that um, that the, that they can't help this. I don't know. It's like it makes you think about how many different systems are experiencing the same thing that the that the Colossus is, mm-hmm. and that the First Order can't. I mean, the Resistance can't go and help 
every single one of them. Um, I thought it was really interesting that Resistance decided to go there because the Resistance is, you know, the good guys. And I think that it would make sense for them to come and help. But it also makes perfect sense for them to discuss how, you know, they can't do everything and they're really strapped as it is, given what we know of where the resistance is in The Force Awakens and even after The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was this great parallel to the end of The Last Jedi when no one answers the resistance calls. Um, Like no one answers Mm -hmm. Leia's calls, but here at the end of the show, resistance, Leia answers Kaz's call, but it's with a rejection. Um, Right. And it's really – like I I was a little shocked. I was like, oh, they're not coming. Um, Mm -hmm. Like that's not happening. And didn't something similar happen in Rebels too, right? Right. What really I thought about was Rogue One, where there was this call to go, you know, when Jin kind of gives her peace in front of the rebellion and no one really helps but this small, small, small band of warriors. And I and like people who go against the rebellion's orders. And it made me wonder, like, is there a chance that there are going to be people who go against the resistance orders? Or is it at this point, Leia is the one that says, no, that's just not even possible. I wonder, like, are they even that big? Right. I think that at this point, they're not. And but it really I think you're supposed to, as a as a Star Wars fan, be like, oh, maybe they can, maybe they can. But then remember that, you know, there's (laughs) there's enough people on the Colossus who are upset about the First Order being there that maybe they can form their own resistance. Yeah, it's like the resistance isn't big enough at this point, but also like this is the only resistance we know. Mm-hmm. So like the resistance has never been that big. Right. Man, so Le- Leia sending the coordinates to the new base. What new base are we talking about? Are we talking about – That's what we see in The Force Awakens. Uh, yeah, I think it's on Dakar. Yeah. Right? Um, and I, I feel like – wouldn't it be interesting if this show ends and, you know, Kaz shows up to Dakar and everyone is leaving? Mm. Because they have to get out. And, you know, that's where the force, the the Last Jedi opens when Connix is, you know, ordering everyone to leave. That's in like three days. I know. It's so soon. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, when Kaz gets out, which I think he's going to, I don't. I don't know if he sees his place forever on the Colossus as long as if he can help if the show, if this season ends with him helping the Colossus, you know, remove the First Order for good, will Kaz stay? I don't think so. Yeah. I think that his place is beyond. I think that's I think that's a good point, again, making me think of how Rebels ended. Um, so minor Rebels spoilers for the end of season four. But how the whole thing was that, like, so the Rebels were part of the Rebellion, but then they weren't actually a part of the Rebellion in the end. And they stayed on Lothal. Whereas, but that was like the end of their story. Whereas, I think you're right. Like, so, sorry, let me back up. So, in Rebels, it all came down to liberating Lethal. And that's where the story started and where it ended. But there were like three seasons in the middle where a lot of other things were going on. Whereas, I don't know if that'll necessarily be the case with Resistance, like you're saying. Like, if he liberates the Colossus at the end of season one, will he stay there or will we, or will, could it be more of like a base for him that he comes back to as he's out doing more missions for the resistance? Mm-hmm. Like, will Kaz actually stay a part of the resistance? Unlike the rebels, stayed a part of the rebellion. I don't know. I think that he identifies with the resistance now. I feel like he will. Yeah, I do too. I think it's interesting, kind of the switch up. Me too. Me too. Okay, so what's the state of the first order? 
Ooh. <laughs> they come in. They angry. They ready to go. I mean, Starkiller Base is ready, guys. It's ready, yeah. and they need to get all their ducks in a row <laughs> as they prepare, and that's what they're doing. Um, and the fact that they know who Poe is, they've been following him here, they know the fireball, like, they're on it, and it's scary. I think the main takeaway from this episode, which is, I think the main takeaway from every episode, is <laughs> that they're pretty powerful. And even just by the fact that they have sent this this new agent, Tierney, to – and we'll talk about that with Tam because I thought that whole storyline was super interesting. Mm-hmm. But even dispatching someone to the Colossus even shows that they're willing to um, do more to ensure that the system stays under their control. And that they even have that organization to dispatch somebody when we have the resistance who isn't doing that at all. And I think that we think we're supposed to, you know, understand that this is a really hard fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even I mean, I think it just puts more importance on the Colossus as well, that they're sending out additional personnel to it. Definitely. I mean, it really does. I mean, the whole season really emphasizes the importance of it. The fact that the First Order went through this whole roundabout scheme with the pirates in order to take control mm-hmm. of the First Order is so convoluted. And it's like, why would they go to all that effort <laughs> and not just like barge in and take it over? Because, I mean, perhaps there's still something left to be found on the Colossus. Who knows? Who knows? I hope so. Speaking of the pirates, I was so pirates. excited to see them come back around. And you know that Sonara is going to help Kaz somehow. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and I was I was just so happy. I know that there's been so much discussion about whether or not Sonara and the Pirates would come back and whether or not we'd see them again in the season. And we did. And when that when that ship flashed on screen, I literally was like yelling at my TV. I was like, yes! I guessed. I, was, I guessed. I was like, the Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so good because now the Pirates have so much against the First Order because they were totally taken advantage mm-hmm. of. I love, too, how Sonara, you see her in the background and then she kind of pushes her way to the front when she hears Kaz's voice. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool, too. Like, I, I almost thought for a second that they would do a shot of them being almost, like, similar to Han in A New Hope when they get into what's left of Alderaan being like, it was here. And then be like, well, the Colossus was here. <laughs> Where did it go? <laughs> <laughs> it was super cool. Like, let's talk about the mechanics of the fact that they lowered the Colossus Man. and really used the fact that it could lower and go up and down. Such a good set piece. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good and I love I really thought the animation in this in this entire episode was really good even just the smoke that Bucket let, let off in the beginning oh, yeah. did you notice how stylized that was it was so it beautiful it reminded me of Sabine's smoke in her her colorful smoke bombs like graffiti in Forza the Destiny yes I just I really like that stylized version because you understand what's going on and it doesn't have to be completely lifelike and that's the magic of animation mm-hmm. Yeah, Uh, I loved it. And I really just love the even the fluid movements of the water, you know, lapping up against the Colossus and leaking in and the guy, the Opipit guys, I don't know why I struggle with that name so much, you know, so so, frustrating. He still doesn't have his floor cleaner. (laughs) 
It's so funny. It's so funny, <laughs> and I feel so bad for him. Yet the, there were so many excellent moments of animation, and, like, this show always continues to impress me with the way they do lighting. Like, their nightscapes are incredible. Um, even, like, them being in the engineering rooms with all of the, like, red lighting and the – it just – it looked so good. Um, and then mm-hmm. at the end as well, when Jaeger is telling Kaz that, like, he'd fight alongside him any day, like, the water behind them – like with the sun shining on it, looked so great. So good. So good. <laughs> I loved it. And I even, I I don't know. I think that they're, the fact that they have now shown us that the Colossus can move up and down with just a little bit of preparation. I mean, I, I don't think that really took that much for Doza to close those doors. You know what I mean? Like it, it really... It was it was a it was a big like ordeal. Don't get me wrong, but it worked. I was a little alarmed that they didn't alert the station that the ship was sinking before it started sinking. <laughs> there were people on deck, and it's going under. And then and then Nose is like, "Oh, I think it's a malfunction." And then like he waits a little bit, and then he announces like, "Hey, you all should get inside if you don't want to drown." That's an interesting takeaway because I didn't really think about that, but maybe that has something. Maybe that will play into the future of the citizens of Colossus maybe even doubting Doza's leadership a little bit more. Well, they could possibly be like, oh, they, they, <laughs> I can't believe that even happened. <laughs> like, all right, it was happening. And <laughs> he didn't really even tell us. It was, I mean, I, I think it makes sense because Doza was with the First Order, like with Tyrion. Tyr- Tyrion. <laughs> um, okay. Wrong fandom. <laughs> What's her name? Tyrion. Tyr- Tyrion. Got a lot of tyranny. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's a bit on the nose. One of those classic Star Wars puns. <laughs> those names that really just make perfect sense. <laughs> they were all in the office with Doza. So, like, Doza has to, like, play it off as a malfunction, which means you can't alert the citizens. But still, it's like – I kind of thought that, like, maybe Kaz and, like, Niku or someone would, like, start yelling at people to go inside. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, I think – I mean, I love when you can take – like a like a big set piece like that something that's so familiar and completely change it those are always so useful in storytelling it makes me think of like um harry potter and hogwarts like how integral hogwarts is and how they completely destroyed it at the end um in deathly hallows like this idea of taking like a huge set piece like that and transforming it for your story um like a place that's so familiar. I don't know. I, I think it's really cool when stories do that. So I liked getting to see the Colossus be manipulated like that. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really good point where the Colossus, and we've talked about this before, but the Colossus is almost its own character in this story. And in the same way that almost the Millennium Falcon is, we were just talking about this the other day, you and me. Mm-hmm. And I I think even just you're you're so right about that Hogwarts comparison. It's really interesting to think about that and how that will maybe that will kind of parallel what happens to the Colossus later. Yeah, like how hard is it to get it back up? Why does it even sink in the first place? Mm-hmm. Um, like, what's the benefit of it sinking? Yeah. So let's talk about Tam's story and whether or not we were surprised by that. I don't think I was surprised by it. I know we've talked about like the possibility of her being recruited by the First Order, um, which I think was I, th- I think was always a good possibility and like a good theory, but I think it makes sense where things shook out um, in this storyline. I thought it was 
it was sad. Like, I was frustrated for her because, like, you're right. Like, all these people, like, the people that she's supposed to be closest with have been lying to her this whole time. And Mm -hmm. it's, like, the First Order is the one that is telling the truth to her. Right. It's it's kind of crazy because in that moment where she doesn't go with uh, Kazaniger into the office and she is just kind of frozen in plain sight, you kind of realize in that moment that she really isn't the one that's in the dark. I think you can say Niku is also in the dark, but at the same time, that's kind of Niku's whole thing. Mm-hmm. And Tam, what's kind of crazy is that she didn't really have one of those moments where she was like, oh, I was suspicious, even though she has been suspicious and kind of, you know, a little angry and like furrowed brow about certain things in the past that Kaz has done. And watching her kind of put everything together and even her shock about how Kaz was, you know, really wealthy. Mm -hmm. I thought that was super interesting and a really good, um, like, leveraging piece that Tierney had over Tam, who has been working so hard on the fireball for so long. And it really is, it really proves to me that Tam could potentially become the First Order spy, which I think is a really interesting, you know, shift in storytelling for the entire Resistance series. I don't think that we, I I hadn't really even, um, I hadn't, I think that we had talked about her being recruited by the First Order, but I don't think I'd ever considered her potentially being the spy. And it became like really clear to me that that was a direction that they could go in and the audience would understand. The audience would get, oh, I understand why she, you know, Tam and Yeager like totally mishandled that. And, you know, poor Tam, she had no idea what they were doing and she was totally in the dark. I I don't know. I found it really interesting that they decided to go that way. And I think it really does make it would make for a really interesting story. Um, moving forward. Yeah, I think it would too. I liked how t- – I'm going to say her name wrong again. Tyrion? Tyrion? It's tyranny. tyranny. Like, t- like tyranny. It, like Darth Tyrannus. Tyranny. tyranny. Yeah, I mean, I know what the yeah. word is. I just – I keep thinking of <laughs> Peter Tinklage. <laughs> <laughs> I liked how she brought up that Kaz was so wealthy because remember there were like two episodes at the start of the season where Kaz was like, I have no money. And he's, like, complaining about having no money and, like, borrowing money from Tam. And it's, like, you can just see Tam kind of remembering all of their relationship and being, like, man, even, like, that piece of it was a lie. <laughs> like, even mm-hmm. those little things. Because she does say, um, you know, I always thought something was up with him, but I didn't realize this. Which I think is interesting when you compare it to Tora's reaction later on when – they're t- her and Josa are told that they have resistance spies on board, and Tora immediately says, "Is it Kaz?" Because she knows, <laughs> but Kaz isn't captured. It's Tam, and Tora is kind of like, mm, "I don't know about that." But Tora is her first reaction is, "Oh yeah, Kaz." Whereas for Tam, like Tam has totally been left in the dark about this. She hasn't been putting those pieces together because she hasn't been in this like necessarily the same kinds of situations with Kaz like Tora has. Um, I don't know if I think I what I I kind of don't know if I think Tam will become a first order agent. I think that it would make sense and like the audience would kind of track along with why she would choose make that decision, but it'll be interesting to see what she says to Kaz when they're confronted again. Agreed. Because she'll be like you left me, but this whole time Kaz has been like 
we've got to save Tam. Like when they're under in the gutter system or the vent system, the first thing Yeager says is like, okay, first on our list is we have to go. And Cass says, rescue Tam. And Yeager's like, no, we got to go get the talk to the resistance. And he's like, but what about Tam? Like Kaz is very concerned about her. Um, and so I think that's definitely mm-hmm. going to be his priority next episode. But I wonder what will come out of their confrontation. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that it was really great tra- like tracking Kaz, Kaz's emotions about Tam and really seeing that he, he really does care about her and isn't willing to – you know, let this whole resistance shtick um, keep him from saving his friends. Yeah, because he has found a home and a place on the Colossus. Like, he has found a sense of belonging there. It's why it's so important to him and and why he's so certain at first that the resistance will send help um, because, like, this has become his place. And I'm really glad that they reminded us about Kaz's upbringing. Also, I appreciate how they did that whole, like, scan down the the tablet with Kaz's background as if, you know, most of us can read Arabish <laughs> when <laughs> we can't. <laughs> At least I can't. <laughs> um, I also have to say that I loved the conversation, the whole like bringing Tierney and Tam into the Aces Lounge, I thought was a really great like place for them to have this conversation. And I got to say that the the way that Tierney was talking to Tam gave me – this might sound sacrilegious, but it gave me Padme vibes. Like – Oh, weird. Yeah, like the way that (laughs) she was – like her cadence in her voice where she was like, I'm not – like I'm not the bad guy here. Like I'm the one who's trying to help you and like this is how we can do it and like these other people, like, they're actually the ones that are working against you, not me. Um, I don't know. Like, the the tone of her voice, like, it's – I don't know. It reminded me of Padme in the Clone Wars. I can't really tell you why, but it did. Um, like, that very diplomatic tone of voice and maybe just because we don't have, like, a lot of women senators, like, in those kinds of calm situations. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it gave me – it gave me Padme vibes for some reason. That's weird. I didn't get that at all, but I respect that. But I think that the 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 best thing that you brought up was the fact that it was in the Aces Lounge. I thought that was an, a brilliant design and choice of the set piece because it really reminds us that that's why that's what Tam has always wanted. She's wanted access to that Aces Lounge. It's what she she's been working towards her entire time on the Colossus, and even just giving her these you know, these facts in this empty Aces Lounge, it not only shows that the First Order is powerful enough to sit comfortably in the Aces Lounge, but it also proves that maybe this is the way that Tam can get there. It was manipulative and brilliant. Oh, yeah, it totally was. Because Tyranny even says like, oh, I bet you didn't expect to come here. Um, She Mm -hmm. knows what she's doing. Definitely. The thing is, I just, I hope that if, if Tam does join the First Order, that I don't know. I just like I hate seeing her kind of manipulated like that. Um, because that's I mean, I say that like Tierney was giving me Padme vibes, but like what she was doing was manipulating Tam. And so I hope that should Tam like go that route, which I think would be an interesting route for her to go. Um, I hope she just like completely owns it. Um, but at the end of the day, like Tam is one of our heroes, so she'll eventually have to have that come around where she realizes that you know, the First Order actually isn't where she belongs. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it would be interesting story for her. Yeah, me too. Me too. And we have to talk about this 
um, as Raylos that we are. The fact that Leia says you're not alone mm. to Kaz, it, sirens went off in my head. Um, <laughs> anytime a character says you're not alone now, I'm like, wow, you know, parallels throughout the universe. And I can't believe that, you know, Leia, who is Ben Solo's mother, says that to Kaz. And I don't know, my mind was kind of blown. I love these connections. <laughs> Me too. But, but Me too, so I mean, much. taking out the Raylo piece of it, she – it's not that Leia was lying. It's just kind of a bit of a cop-out because they Agreed. are, in fact, leaving Kaz alone. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's, – it's, it's like, oh, you're not alone there. Like, you have allies probably, and you can figure this out, and we believe in you. And when you do get out, you will have us. You're not alone. But – um. I agree. It was a little bit of a Yeah. And but like I loved like the the tone of Leia's voice that was great because um you know that she like knowing Leia as we do, like she has to she would make sure that she was responsible for delivering that kind of news. And so it's like, oh, it's not like you're emotionally you're not alone. Like there are hundreds of thousands of people around the galaxy doing the same thing you're doing. Like we're all in this together, but separately. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll talk about that more in part three. Do we want to move into part three? Let's do it. Okay. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. All right. Welcome to part three where we're talking about characters and please let's talk about Kaz. Okay. Let's talk about Kaz. Oh man. Oh, Kaz. So, <laughs> so great. I mean, from the very beginning, he it's like I loved how Kaz just kind of realized that like, okay, this is like no more secrets. I'm the spy. Let's go. Yeah. I loved his conversation with Niku. I thought that was the best mm-hmm. because of course, and we've talked about how this conversation would go for a while and how um Niku would probably believe him and not be mad. And that's exactly what happened, except it took a little bit of convincing. And yeah. I thought that was really great Yeah, that Nico was like, really? Wait, you're joking. Now is not the time for jokes. It was so great. <laughs> I love him so much. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I loved Kaz at the beginning when they're talking about the fireball. And again, this like this tension with Tam where Tam was like, no, tell them you know, tell them that this is a mistake, it's a misunderstanding. And Kaz doesn't even try to come up with an excuse. It's mm-hmm. Like, no, this is D-Day. This is like where it all comes out. And he says, you know, it's more complicated than that, Tam. And you just see the look on mm-hmm. her face like, what do you mean? Like, no. <laughs> she doesn't like the vagueness. She doesn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Find that answer vague and unconvincing. <laughs> she really yeah. doesn't. I just like she said it a couple episodes ago. She's not here for the vagueness and she's not gonna go for it. Stan a queen who doesn't like vagueness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm here for that, Tam. But he and like the way he worked with Yeager so well in this episode, like from the very beginning, when I mean, number one, wasn't it great to see Bucket do something? <laughs> number two, yes. when we thought he died, and I was like, Are you kidding me? Like, this is the first real thing you've given Bucket to do, and you just take him away? <laughs> I know. It was such a sacrifice. I, I, I screeched. And then he came back and I was so happy. We, Thank God for those turtle folk. Have we ever seen <laughs> Jaeger so happy as when he saw Bucket? I know. They have a history together and I love it. I want to know more about Bucket. I love Bucket now. I mean, I've always loved Bucket. He just wasn't like on screen very much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
we thought he was going to be the chopper, like have that kind of presence like Chopper did in Rebels, but he didn't, which is fine because we have BB-8 and uh, CB-23. But I was glad to see him do something. But like in that moment, Kaz like immediately jumps into action. Like he knows what to do. And that is very starkly different from early on in season one, Kaz. Right. I think that like it's kind of crazy to take a step back if you can. We're 20 episodes into this series and it's actually kind of insane to think about how far uh, Kaz's character has come and honestly every character and I think that like a couple of choices in the beginning really paid off big time in this in this episode first Kaz's inability to work in the garage um, it made it so that he was really hidden in plain sight and kind of unable to be noticed or suspicious to Tam um and I think that it really like his his clumsiness has come back and kind of shown us his growth um, even more so. And I think that even Yeager's like gruffness and his super hard shell that was in the beginning and now even seeing them work together and him essentially sacrificing himself for Kaz and CB23, um, it really paid off extremely just because we saw his his like his hard shell kind of come back you know Mm -hmm. peel back really also just an unrelated side note but did we know that droids could swim um i think that we've seen it yeah we've seen it in the clone wars before in a couple of episodes there with those underwater episodes yeah that's true remember the battle droids can all swim yeah and everything yeah. yeah, and we well we saw that in Empire Strikes Back too, R two D two in the swamp. That's true. I always thought he that he was like knee deep, you know, so he wasn't really swimming. Like, <laughs> it was just like him rolling around in the muck on the bottom of the swamp. But could be wrong. Yeah. I, I just remember like CB just jumps in. I was like, oh okay, she going. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a there was a. I remember being surprised when those episodes in the Clone Wars existed about the underwater droids, but um, yeah, I guess it makes sense that they would be able to be underwater even though like where is cb23's motor like what is the function of how do they how do they move i don't how know how are they moving around i don't know but she's got, i like, guess a that they like jet. roll yeah she's like a little jet ski that they latch on to <laughs> yeah i thought it was fun i mean just just like a side note as we've been talking to another unrelated side note about like all of the animation styles and like lighting that we we got to see throughout this episode it was just so varied like i mean from going underwater to being on the side of the colossus with the bright sunlight to being in the engine room to like seeing the colossus shut down i don't know there was just like so many different places we were and it was all like mm-hmm. so well done like there was a lot of visual variety i guess right um that i thought was great. i every t- every time those shell folk i think they're chelodites i don't remember the actual term um are on screen though they are so nice and kind and like wise and i love that they saved bucket and i i every time that they help you know people out it, it makes my heart just so happy <laughs> if anything bad happens to them i will riot <laughs> it's not gonna happen they can't do that they're too good they are too good <laughs> they are too good okay but kind of going back to kaz his idea to sink the colossus was such a crazy idea and he knew it 
and he like still went for it. And I just mm-hmm. I love that about him. And I thought it was so great and how he like just like the lack of hesitation and just like we always talk about how Kaz has never hesitated and the things that he's done, even if he's done them poorly. But now he's like at the point where he's not hesitating, but now he's doing things successfully. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like you said, it's just it's such good payoff for all of that. Mm-hmm. I did love though that moment when they first like meet up with the children of Tehar and what is her name? Alia. I think we've been saying it wrong. I think it's Ayla. Ayla. Um, the little girl when she says, Oh, so you're the resistant spy. And Kaz is like, wait, 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 how did you know that? She's like, Well, you were talking like so loudly. <laughs> 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 we heard you. <laughs> he was like, Oh. Okay. <laughs> he still didn't answer, though. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, he still has some things to learn, but it's funny. She was like, because for a second, I thought it was going to be like one of her like visions kind of coming up again. She's like, no, you were just talking really loudly. <laughs> it was so funny. And um, like the fact that there wasn't really like a whole lot of fighting in this episode, which we ta- I know we talked about last week about how kind of liking the fact that Kaz doesn't do a lot of like hand-to-hand combat, which I think will probably change as he gets older. Um, but the yeah. fact that like his course of action was to like sink the Colossus and swim up to the communications tower and like avoid engaging with the First Order as much as he can- could. And he was fairly successful with that. And like he's not really the one shooting back at the start of the episode either. Mm-hmm. You made a good point about how when he had this crazy plan and he went for it, um, that scene opens with him being like, no, that's not going to work. We can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unclear who he's saying it to, but I do um, appreciate the fact that Kaz has become so tactile and he realizes what is and not going to work and what could work. Mm-hmm. And I think you hit the nail on the head by talking about that he had this crazy plan and he just went for it. And I think in the last episode we compared Kaz to Rose, who we also think doesn't hesitate at all. And I think that that's just coming clearer and clearer. Mm-hmm. Now I kind of want Rose and Kaz to be friends. They would be <laughs> such good friends. I think they would too. It's really interesting because Taz has this really – you know, rich upbringing, and Rose doesn't. So I wonder how that would go. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Imagine if they had, like, a whole – like, if we brought Rose into resistance, like – I think it could happen. I, I mean, it's not too. it's not out of <laughs> out of reach, you, you know? so could. Wow, that'd be so good. Um, I hope that by them bringing up Hosnian Prime again that we – I mean, we will, but I hope we get even more background on Kaz's family. Yeah, the fact that they said that he comes from one of the one wealthiest of the families, wealthiest. I think that we we had known that he was wealthy and that his his father was a sem- senator, but we I don't think we realized how big of a deal his family was. I mean, it was kind of shocking to me. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, the fact that they specified like one of the wealthiest families on Hosnian Prime, and Hosnian Prime is obviously a, a, a well-known system, so he obviously mm-hmm. carries a lot of clout the name the family does. Um, But then the fact that, like, we haven't really heard from his family this whole time. So what kind of relationship does he have with his family um, for all of that, like, wealth that they supposedly have for them not to really know what their – what or where their son's been for the past, you know, couple months? Well, I think that even bringing up his family again, being from Hosnian Prime, it reminds the audience who might not remember that he's from Hosnian Prime what's going to happen in the next episode. Mm. 
where there's even struggle to get a communication out. So what is Kaz going? I, I hate talking about this because I know we all know what's going to happen, but I can see Kaz even struggling to get a communication out about what's going to happen to Hosnian Prime or wanting to talk to somebody and not being able to. And us just the fact that they even say the words Hosnian Prime in the episode before they, they're going to use Starkiller Base, I think is kind of an indication of what's to come. Do you and think that that's sad. they pick, like, it's just like the cherry on top picking Hosnian Prime based off of what's happening on Resistance on the Colossus? Oh, I actually hadn't thought about that, that they, they could be a clear link. I always thought that the First Order had chosen Hosnian Prime just based off of that, the fact that that's the central government of the New Republic. I think it is. I think that's the overlying reason. But there's this like added bonus that the kid that yeah. they're searching for is also from Hosnian Prime. And like, all right, well, what can we – how can we – Like a leveraging tool? Yeah. How can we use the start? In the same way that destroying Alderaan was a leveraging tool yeah. for Leia? Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I mentioned at the top of the show that we watched The Force Awakens. Um, we did a commentary for our Patreon the other night, and um, watching Hosnian Prime, I was like beside myself because I hadn't watched it since we got to know Kaz, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is going to be awful! <laughs> it's going to be so bad. It's going to be really bad. It's going to be so bad, and I'm not ready." And like when we were watching, bad in a good way. Yeah, I, bad in a good way. Bad in a good way, but also, I mean. It's something – I don't know. That's one of the great things about how – we talk about this too all the time about like how Star Wars is made and the fact that new content gives you a new perspective on older content a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And like in A New Hope, when Alderaan was blown up, we had no context for Alderaan or like what was – like even really for Leia at that point in the story. And it, and it was kind of a dropped plot point <laughs> in the original trilogy, her reaction to that. But with Kaz, like we've now spent this whole season getting to know him leading up to what we know will be the death of his family or of his planet at least if his family isn't there. And it like just puts such a different spin on a similar situation happening. Mm-hmm. It's really great Definitely. because a lot of us were always very critical of the fact that Starkiller Base is a thing that exists and does the same thing as the Death Star. Um, but mm-hmm. in this vein, I think it's great that we have the same thing happening. Wow, are Kaz and Leia going to have a conversation like about like, that? Oh my god, I didn't even consider that. <laughs> like the fact that we have these. Two well, kids. I always kind of thought that the, that that conversation, if if there was going to be a conversation about that, that the conversation happened in this episode when we would see in the trailer we saw we saw a clip of this oh, yeah. right where he where his hair is all distraught and we all kind of thought that maybe that was after Hosnian Prime was yeah. destroyed and then he, he was talking to Leia and Leia was consoling her but clearly not yet that's not then but yeah. it could be so i won it could be it could happen and i think it should happen because they do have that link yeah and it's like what a bond to have but yeah just i i love that we have these two like main characters that on the one hand, there can be this critique that you know, Death Star and Starkiller Base do very do the same thing, um, but the way that we get to those endpoints are very different for each of our characters. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just it's it's something that's entirely unique to Star Wars, right? When talking about Starkiller Base being similar to Alderaan, 
um, well, being similar to the Death Star and then the destruction of Hosnian Prime being similar to Alderaan, it really, the show, I think you said it well, was, it really does hit the nail on the head that the Starkiller base is destroying the central government of the New Republic. I think that's clear in The Force Awakens after a couple of watches, but maybe not originally. Mm-hmm. And even just even that fact that you understand that if you come from watching Resistance to watching the sequel trilogy and that's all you know, you, now you know that the First Order really is that powerful, that they could destroy a whole central government, that they're not these small, um, the small force of rebels, essentially, against um, against the, the New Republic, but instead they are this powerful system and this group that can totally destroy one central government that has stood for 30 years. And I think that's really powerful and really a testament to the fact that the show is really building those, um, the understanding of what the go- the government systems look like in <laughs> the galaxy far, far mm-hmm. away. I'm just so sad for Kaz. Um, I know. I'm I'm looking forward to the season ending and just having this kind of closure. Like I'm ready to see Hux and Kylo Ren. I'm really excited about that. But I am also really sad for Kaz because we've gone so far with him and we know that this is going to crush him and we're all going to be sad i'm definitely going to cry if any if this episode was any indication mm-hmm. i'm going to be so emotional for the next two episodes yeah i mean the i mean the end of rebels was like the time i think i've cried the most in star wars actually and so um i didn't even cry that much at the end of clone wars when we first saw Neither. it but the like last four or five episodes of rebels just like straight tears many wine bottles like a lot of emotions and so it'll be and like i love guys so much (laughs) um and i think it's such a testament to the show that the entire time i was watching the force awakens i was thinking about the show as well um so i think that that just says really great things about what they've been able to do and accomplish on resistance in such a short amount of time but the what's gonna be so like not great but um important to watch is because in these last three episodes with Kaz, we've had such character growth and we keep like extolling how great Kaz is and and how he's had so much growth and like he's so confident now and, you know, so much change from the beginning of the season. But like what – like he's responded – like his response to Leia, you know, saying like, no, we're not coming – he – like it didn't phase him at all. He was like, all right, fine. Like we're the resistance now let's go get Tam and then we're going to liberate the Colossus. Like he's not mm-hmm. worried at all. So like what – how is he going to react when Hosnian Prime happens? Like is he going to have – is he going to be able to have the same kind of reaction that he had at the end of this episode? Is his reaction going to, I guess, like not regress his character but like put him into almost like a debilitating kind of grief? Um is it going to be somewhere in the middle? I'm just – I'm really, like, not excited. I'm a bit anxious. But I'm excited to see what happens with his character once this thing with Hothnian Prime happens. Agreed. You bring up a lot of good points. I'm really excited. Me too. <laughs> the next couple of Sundays are going to be rough, They Caitlin. are. <laughs> <laughs> Starting the morning early with a glass of wine. Tears. <laughs> Tears. <laughs> Although I'll be at home, actually. I'll be on my parents' in-home Wi-Fi, so maybe I'll be able to watch it, like, Saturday night. 
Oh, you should check. Oh, boy. I don't know if I, like, want to watch it by myself and then not be able to talk with you about it for, like, another 14 (laughs) hours. True. That is something I kind of miss about that last season of Rebels Mm -hmm. was that everyone was kind of watching it at the same time because they didn't go on Xfinity or the on-demand services or Disney Now until – The following morning. They aired, like, the, the moment they aired. Yeah. It was you watch it live or you watch it the next day and I, I, I miss that collective experience because that was fun. Yeah. But I do respect the accessibility of watching it whenever you can. Yeah, it was – that was really a really nice part of watching it, watching Rebels. Like it was just all right. Like so what was it was like Thursday nights or Friday nights or something. And yeah. it was just like I got ready for bed and I turned on the TV and had my phone charged and <laughs> – we were texting like, Went are we ready? It. Okay. And sometimes we call in between commercials. <laughs> yeah. um, that part of it was fun. I think it would be fun if they kind of switched it up to do something similar like that in season two of Resistance because that was a really – those are like good memories and that's a big part of the experience that I had of Rebels. Yeah, the communal aspect. Yeah, especially because like we weren't podcasting um, in the earlier seasons of Rebels. So – uh, like even in the last season and a half, watching it like that was really great. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, just a side note, it's like pouring at my house right now. So if you hear rain and or thunder, it is in fact rain and thunder. <laughs> Before we close out, I want to say that I think the tide has – I think Resistance had a rocky start in terms of reviews and people being critical about the show, which I think – those those critiques were fair in the reasons that we talk about, you know, Kaz was pretty clumsy, but that kind of slapstick humor hasn't come up a- again at all, if you've noticed in the past like three episodes. And I think the tide has kind of turned in terms of resistance being this sleeper hit. Even on Rotten Tomatoes, it has like a 94% rating from critics, which is really high. I don't think Rebels was that high. And I think that we're only going to see success with resistance and it's just going to grow to be a similar story to as as rebels you know rebels is so beloved and we're about to celebrate i think on march 5th the one year anniversary of rebels closing and having their finale and i think that rebels has kind of grown in the hearts of so many star wars fans in the same way that the, the clone wars has as well and so much so that they're even bringing it back and i think that resistance will have the same sort of special feeling that these other shows have. And I'm so curious to see what kind of turnout we're going to see at like certain resistance panels at Star Wars Celebration and what sort of cosplayers are going to see. Because right now it really does feel like there's a small group of us that are watching the show and it hasn't really hit the mainstream. But I think that once it's streamable and everyone can watch it and binge it, I think it will have that cult following mm-hmm. that the other shows have. I mean, I feel like with any kind of new Star Wars property, it takes a bit of time. And hindsight yeah. is always twenty twenty. And some people like to wait until there's a full season out and go back and watch it. Um, some people, like, they're starting with Clone Wars or they're starting with Rebels or they're starting with the sequel trilogy. Like, However you come into Star Wars, it's a good way to come into Star Wars. And if you're not at Resistance yet, totally. that's totally fine. You hope I hope you'll get there because it's been an amazing ride and it's only going to keep getting better. Mm-hmm. I agree. I also have just – just as a side note, I think I've noticed that the comments on Resistance-related YouTube videos – 
have been less aggressive. Like in the very beginning, it was so awful. But now it's really not like that. And I love the I love witnessing that change because those trolls have moved on to something Mm -hmm. else. Well, great. it reminds me of what Ashley Eckstein and Dave Filoni always talk about when they first pitched the idea of Ahsoka. And Dave Filoni was mm-hmm. told Ashley, he was like, everyone's going to hate you and everyone's going to hate Ahsoka at first. Just FYI. Yeah. But that's going to change. And, you know, Dave Filoni, of course, had <laughs> great foresight um, because it was true. Um, because it was – Ahsoka was something different and new. She wasn't in a canon. You know, the laundry list goes on and on. She was annoying and, and young and whatever. Um, and <laughs> – but we loved her. It's fine. Yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> and now she's like one of the most loved characters in Star Wars. And um, I think Rebels was the same way. People had a ton of critiques of Rebels when it first came out. But then like once you spent time with the characters and you saw just how great they were and the amazing storytelling that was going on in that show, um, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a show by its animation style because it's not your favorite style immediately. So I think – with anything, it takes time, and, and even if Resistance or fill in the blank isn't your favorite piece of Star Wars, that's okay too. You know what I mean? Definitely. But for for Sky Talkers, we've really been loving it lately. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's so good. It's really enhanced my my understanding of the sequel trilogy. Yeah. It made me more excited mm-hmm. about it. And I was just thinking about Christopher Sean and how in the first episode of Resistance, he tweeted something about how he can't wait to see the Kaz players at Celebration. <sighs> And I can't wait to see Christopher Sean see the Kaz players at Celebration. I'm so excited. I know. Yeah. I really I, – I just want to do like Tora's makeup. <laughs> That's really what I want. Yes. I want to do the coupons. I want to get like the blue freckles. <laughs> it would be so cute. <laughs> you should. Yeah, I should. But yeah, Resistance is good. Star Wars is good. Celebration is coming up, y'all. Reminder that we're going to be on the podcast stage. So come and see us there, please, if you're going to be at Celebration. Yeah. And I think that's going to wrap up the show and we'll see you next time. Yes. Thank you guys so much, as always, for listening. If you like what you hear, you can find us online at skytalkers.com um, or on Twitter at skytalkerspod or our personal handles are at Caitlin Plusher and at Crarity. And if you want to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review, it really helps other people find our show and um, spaz over Kaz with us too. So <laughs> yes, please. please do that if you have a second to spare. Yes. And I want to thank our amazing patrons. Jason, Amy, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Brian, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, John, Dominic, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Catherine, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpa, Raru, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kels, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Jordan, Molly, Aaron, Scott, Irina, Ira Bell, BJ, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, The Clashing Sabres Podcast, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.
Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.